Hey Mules and Jennies, this is Austin and Carson, and we're from the UCM Career Services Center, and welcome to the Mules with a Mission podcast. Before we start this episode, I just want to let you guys know that we now have an email. It is muleswamission at ucmo.edu. Feel free to email us for any questions or feedback you have about the podcast. Also, be on the lookout for our new social media accounts that will be on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, everyone. Today, we are here with guest speaker Dylan Green. He's a former alumni and former career advisor in our Career Services Center, and he will be talking to us about graduate school. So hello, Dylan. How are you doing today? I'm great, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, Glad to be here, like Carson said, as an alumnus, but also as a veteran of career services itself. So I've got a lot of vested interest in this department and especially this show's success. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Since all of us in the office miss you, we just kind of want to know how you've been doing, what you've been up to since you've left us. Oh man, so how have things been going? How am I doing? Well, if you haven't noticed, uh, there is a situation abound across the globe right now, which is less than perfect, I'll say. Um, And for those of you listening in the far future, since this will last forever, we're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic and what a time to move across the country right before such a horrible thing hits. But I will say it's provided an incredible opportunity to, I mean, for all higher education, because I'm fortunate enough to work at at a different school and continue working to represent the values that I hold dear, namely education. And get to see, okay, well, you're forced to change. You're forced to adapt. How are you still going to deliver quality education to people through a monitor? Um, But the move was great. I mean, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I used to live over in in Warrensburg and then in Clinton, so about a half hour south of town. And then we just recently in January moved to sunny Florida. So it's been a heck of a move, but really loving it down here, close to a lot of family. So aside from everything else going on, can't complain. Sounds great. So before we get into the questions about graduate school, is there anything you'd like to say to the UCM students? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd say great choice. It took me way too long to find UCM. I really can't say enough how much I really value my experience as a student and also as a grad from UCM. Uh, And then also kind of the point of, you know, me as a a history graduate, uh, which I mean, for those of you who are going to keep track of all the times that I mentioned being in the history program, it's going to be a long episode. Uh, but this right now, the situation we're in is historic. Take some pride in that. You are all dealing with being students on the cusp of a huge change right now. So appreciate it for what it is. It's absolutely stressful. It's absolutely going to take some adjustment and it's not going to be done in just a couple months. But you guys have a great opportunity to shine as a great example for future generations of how to adapt and sort of mold the job market, mold demand to fit with who you are as individuals, whether that's your tech savviness, your customer service skills that are now boiled down to a virtual format, whatever it happens to be for you, this is gonna be the source of a bunch of stories you can tell to future generations. And it's a great time for you to be an example for future generations as well. Awesome, so when you are applying for grad school, I know it's a little bit different now since things are starting to change, um, but when you were applying for grad school, what were some of the initial steps that you took to getting started for applying to grad school? Yeah, so whenever I was first kind of thinking about grad school and really what it is, what it does, I talked to my professor at the time, because I went to undergrad at Culver Stockton, which is across the state, still in Missouri. And we basically had a good long conversation about what the point is and 
why you should consider it in the first place. Because if you graduate with any certain degree, you're qualified to work someplace, right? With a history degree, you know, I really wanted to practice history. I wanted to do my research. I wanted to learn more. You can't necessarily get directly into those careers with just the bachelor's degree. Uh, so my professor sat me down and he's like, okay, are you interested in going to work for somewhere like Edward Jones, Northwestern Mutual, something like that, where your skills will be valuable, but it'll be less relevant to history? Or do you want to stick it out in school for a couple more years and find more relevant employment to that? And I said, yeah, that, that's what I really want to consider there. So we basically talked to, through the process and said, okay, first of all, do your homework, do your research, figure out what kind of programs fit with your goals. And then we'll kind of talk from there. So that was the initial part of the process. And then from there, I had to figure out, you know, what's this GRE thing? Uh, wh how many personal uh, recommendations do I need? What are the application fees? Because they do demand uh, oftentimes pretty hefty fees in order to just have the privilege of applying to a program, even if they decline you. So that was how I really got started in grad school search. Awesome. And you kind of mentioned the process in general. So what is the process like? What's kind of a timeline that you think fits the process of getting admitted? So I'd say, I'd say sophomore, junior year, have some discussions with your faculty members in your programs to see if this is something you'd like to pursue. Do that initial research. By that point, you're not on a huge time crunch. You don't have to worry about getting anything done by a certain time. It's just learning more about it for the sake of learning about it. So you don't put it off. Um, by your junior year, do more of that research and then also start to talk with those same faculty members. And also, if you've got a great career services department like you do at UCM, talk to them about what they would recommend in terms of the actual step-by-step -step process, getting some documents put together, including like a personal statement, um, and then kind of narrow down what sort of programs, or even more broadly than that, what would you like to most learn about? Because like for me, I graduated with a BA in history. But at that point in my career, I was like, well, I'd really like to learn more about the hands-on, the archaeology side of things. And archaeology, as far as Americans are concerned, it's sort of lumped into anthropology. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. So anthropology faculty listening to this, I'm totally on your side. Don't think I'm not. But I went into a master's program in anthropology. And it took me a year to realize that, that wasn't really a good fit for me. I missed my roots in history. So make sure that you're asking these questions and you're making sure you're getting into a program that still fits with what you'd like, uh, what really is appealing to you academically. Oftentimes programs require a writing sample, something that shows that you're familiar with the territory academically, you can prove yourself, you can hold your own at the next academic level. So make sure that's ready. Also, I didn't end up doing a whole lot of this, but I'd absolutely recommend visiting the schools themselves, checking out the programs. What I actually did was I reached out to faculty from these other schools. So they you know, all have their faculty information, public, phone number, uh, email. I emailed them and I said, you know, I'm currently getting ready to graduate. I'm interested in studying X, Y, and Z. What's the program like? And academics love to talk about what they're studying. And they especially love the idea of growing their graduate program. So they're going to have time to talk to you. So make sure that you're talking to them and you get an idea. And then when you start the application process, you'll have the money for that. You'll have your writing sample prepped from your senior research. The actual like application deadlines are typically about December or halfway through your senior year. So make sure you have all that application stuff done. And you should be good to go receiving acceptance or rejection letters as well. Uh, within a couple months, typically February, March. So by then you'd wanted, you'll have wanted to cast out wide enough a net to receive enough acceptance letters 
to say, hey, I've got a good pool to choose from. Now it's time to make my final decision and what's there to weigh against it. I know uh, grad school is pretty important. Um, it's a lot more focused than your bachelor's degree. So a lot of people really feel like they have to focus and really buckle down in those classes. Um, but I know you and quite a few other people are usually pretty independent and need to work full-time or part-time uh, while they're also doing grad school. So how did you keep yourself organized between full-time and being a graduate student? Yeah, so the good news is with grad school, you take more, I guess, in-depth, more you know, research-heavy, reading-heavy classes, but fewer of them. So, you know, you'll take your graduate colloquium in uh, Renaissance Spain, and then you'll also take a uh, environmental history course. And those are like your two or maybe another class, three classes for that semester. So, you know, you've got to read this book this week for this class, this other book this week for this other class, and maybe this other one. So you're reading like books at a time. You really get good at gutting books, deriving just the most crucial information if you're on a time crunch. But then also we got to work, right? So in my own journey, whenever I was really taking classes, I was working multiple jobs part-time each. So I just knew that pr my priority was schooling. I knew I had to get that degree at some point. So, hey, my schedule can't step on these classes and I've got to have time to study. I've got to have time to do this work. And managers, especially if you're looking for something in the same town you're going to school, they understand that that's kind of their working population for these part-time jobs. Now, fortunately, whenever I started working full-time, a lot of my coursework was already done. So I was really just worried about getting the thesis writing done. And at that point, I don't know that I'm the best example for how to stay organized because it took me quite a while to get that thesis done. But I will say, looking back on it, if you do work full-time and you are dealing with actually taking courses or writing a thesis, whatever other graduate work there is, Create a schedule that you can really dedicate some time to each thing. Don't take your, your work home with you. You've got enough actual homework to do. So make sure you get that done at the same time. And then also, if you have a big project like a thesis or research project, make sure that you're dedicating enough time on a good schedule regularly rather than, oh, I've put it off for maybe a couple months. I need to hurry up and finish this chapter right now. Or I was lucky, all my uh, research subjects in history they don't need permission to be studied. They're all dead, you know, sad for them, but great for researchers. A lot of folks don't go to history programs. They require like IRB approval. They study actual living humans. They have to send out surveys. They have to, if they're in biology, they have to be in a lab or they have to be out in the wilderness taking population samples. That's a lot of heavy lifting, right? So you don't want to put that off at all. Really sit down, dictate out a schedule. And if it's new territory for you, that's another great way to interact with your faculty advisors to make sure that you are hearing directly from them what they would recommend you do and get that schedule all parceled out with them. One of the downsides to grad school, if you want to call it a downside, is that it does cost a little bit more to take those classes than undergraduate. Mm -hmm. What are the different ways to financially support yourself going to grad school? Does it differ from your undergraduate? Are there more opportunities or how does that work? So there's some similarities and some key differences. So I would say definitely for graduate school, my number one recommendation would be try to get a graduate assistantship. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a graduate student that gets hired by that academic department or sometimes a different department. It could be at the library or it could be at a student service or something like that. And what you'll do is you'll earn a paycheck, you'll earn a stipend. So that's already great. 
But typically an assistantship or a GA position, as people often abbreviate it, they will cover X amount of dollars or X percentage per credit hour of your tuition. So not only do you have to deal with a severely reduced tuition price, but you're also earning a stipend to live off of. So like when I first started graduate school with the anthropology program, I had neither of those things. So I was working a part-time job. Uh, my parents basically said, hey, we care about your education. We can help you this year. And I said, great, help, please. I'm going to need it. Well, then by the time that year ended and I realized, oh, I would really rather be back in my history roots. Well, then I found the GA position and UCM at the same time. So I was able to work with Dr. John Taylor uh, for two whole years, helping basically run one of the survey level history courses. And while I did some lecturing, not a whole lot, I got to do more of the behind the scenes clerical work. I was in charge of, you know, keeping track of attendance, grading assignments, all these things that like me as a hopeful, like young educator, hoping to get into that field, I was ecstatic to do it. And so that's another great perk of having a GA position. Yes, there's money, but it's also that specific training to help you start networking with faculty, learn more about what it's like to be a professor running things, just learn directly from them as to what their own research is. And then how does a class run? Like brick and mortar, what do I need to do nuts and bolts to make sure that one day whenever I'm in this position, it's as successful as what you're doing right now. So GA position, absolutely. Uh, I coupled that with a part-time job as well to earn extra money. And then whenever my coursework was over, like I said, I ended up going full-time at UCM. Um, so I know a lot of people who do grad school or a few people, a few industries have more field experience based um, master's and graduates programs. Um, but one like yours in history, uh, more research ones, uh, you have to do a thesis in grad school. Um, so what was writing a thesis like for you and what was that process like? So writing a thesis, um, if I had to compare it to anything, and maybe it's because I'm in Florida and this is on the brain more often, but it's like preparing for a hurricane. It's like seeing a hurricane form across the Atlantic and being like, that thing is coming for me. There's no getting around it. I'm going to have to weather that storm, right? And so it's coming and you're looking at the wind speeds and they're devastating. And Oh my gosh, I can't believe this thing's going to be happening. I got to make sure I'm prepared. And you see it coming and you see it coming and you keep moving inland to try and escape it and it's still following you. But then once it actually hits, all you have to do is pick up a couple sticks out of your front yard with no major property damage. The thesis is way easier if you address it earlier. And from my own experience, whenever I first started the history degree here at UCM, I had no idea what I wanted to do for a thesis. I mean, at first I wanted to study, um, you know, the Baltic Crusades. I do not speak Latin or Greek or any of the Scandinavian languages. It'd be tough to decipher those primary materials. Uh, well, then I was thinking, okay, I know Spanish. I know some Spanish from uh, high school. I'm not conversational anymore, but I can definitely read and use a, use a dictionary. So let's try something in Spanish. So then I wanted to study more of the uh, colonial Spanish missions in the Southeast and maybe into the Southwest. So I wrote a paper on it. Worst paper I ever wrote. Like awful. Clearly I did not care as much as I thought I did. So I'm like, okay, what else? Well, I was in this class and it was one of, it was my first semester and it was about the Renaissance and the age of exploration. And I came across this great source book regarding, if you guys remember my thesis, y'all were there, Sir Francis Drake. Right? And I wrote this great paper about this guy who's like kind of a scoundrel and a pirate. And I, I wrote this great 
just 30 page research paper about his sort of last mission before he died. And it was great. And I enjoyed doing it. And I'm like, I need to learn more about this guy, but I don't know what. So then it sort of began the idea of, okay, I know who I'd like to study, but what about him? And then, okay, what I know what about him I'd like to study. How do I learn more? I can study this biography. I can find these primary sources. I can do this. Um, at the same time, I, you know, I'd recommend it if you can, but it's not a requirement. Uh, I also planned a wedding, got married, and had a daughter. So those were a couple extra distractions I had during my grad school experience. So if you deal with those as well, it's fine. But if you actually buckle down and say, I'm going to get this thesis done, I'm going to get some writing done, I'm going to do this research, I'm going to stick to that schedule I mentioned earlier, you can knock it out according to your schedule and your availability. The best thing about it is having those faculty members around who know you, who are able to say, you know, in my case, you don't necessarily need to finish it right now. Take that incomplete. We'll get a chapter from you here, a chapter from you there. To where by the time I actually finished it, had it approved and defended, uh, just as recently as December 19, it was good to go and I was actually proud of the work. Awesome. That sounds great. So we do have one last question for you when it comes to grad school. So after all of your experiences you had in tackling that hurricane that was your thesis, uh, would you consider going into a doctoral program? A thousand percent. Absolutely. Um, and here's why. So I loved graduate school. You guys don't realize what you're, you, you will be missing when you're out of classes yet because college classes are such a great way to stimulate, stimulate your brain that is just gone after you graduate. So I would welcome any opportunity to speak with other academics, whether it's in history or even math, English, STEM, whatever you're talking about. I love it when people can show what they're passionate about, right? And that's what a PhD program, getting involved in academia is. So like right now, and for the past couple of years, I've worked more on the staff side. And I really like that. And I'd like to continue on that. But when the opportunity arises to enter in a PhD program, become Dr. Green and start teaching history classes, I'm there for it, 100%. I also know that a lot of PhD programs and the ones that I found here in Florida, they have a language requirement. So I'm gonna have to brush up on that Spanish, maybe also learn German or Dutch if we're talking about the same time period, and maybe some Latin, but man, oh man, I'm not excited about Latin. I gotta go through Wheelock's Latin and see if it's right for me, but I'll, I'll try if I can. All right, I think that's all of the questions we had for you about graduate school. So thank you for your firsthand insight on that. I hope a lot of people found that pretty interesting and also very helpful on the whole application process and just the process of going through graduate school in general. Um, yeah, and real quick, sorry to cut you off. Speaking of, I totally forgot to talk about the GRE, uh, which is funny because a lot of places are hurting for uh, attendance so bad. They're like, you don't need the GRE. Please just come. We're hurting for attendance, right? Our enrollment numbers are down. Who, who needs that GRE? So I'm hoping that's a trend that continues. Uh, but if it's not, the GRE is kind of a bear. My best advice for it would be practice using free practice software. See what it's sort of structured as, what you can expect. Take the exam and expect to boff it. No pressure. Just check it out. Do what you need to do. And then you can always retake it. Allow yourself enough time but go in there with that in mind because typically that first time, if you don't have that pressure on yourself, you're gonna do fine and it's gonna be great anyway. And then if you'd like to improve on it, you can always do that in the future. But the GRE, it's a weird sort of monster that honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of standardized tests anyway. I don't know that they're the best representation of students' intelligence or their ability to succeed in academia. That's a different lecture for a different podcast, but as long as it's still around, don't put a whole lot of pressure on yourselves. You'll do great. 
Yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you. Um, so the last question that I had for you, we're going to kind of stray away from graduate school. Um, I get the honor every podcast of asking the building block question. And I'm sure you've been preparing, listening to the other podcasts, thinking what building block question you're going to get for this podcast. Okay, um, I have. I this have, one don't call me specific. out on it. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> specifically for you, Dylan. So the question for you is, how would you sell hot chocolate in Florida? How would I sell hot chocolate in Florida? So while we have plenty of the first ingredient, hot, and I dare say a lot of that second ingredient, chocolate, what's that third ingredient in hot chocolate? You guys know? It's happiness. Guess who's hurting for happiness? The American Southeast. Have you all seen our storm season? It's been brutal. And me, in my little central Florida bubble, we've been avoiding all those hurricanes that have kind of scooted right by. We haven't forgotten them. We haven't forgotten that storm season goes until Thanksgiving, which is bonkers to me. Again, different conversation, different podcast. But if I had to sell hot chocolate, I would say, don't think of it as what it is, right? If I wanted to sell you a hot dog, it's not because you're crazy about hot dogs. It's because you're in a ball game. It's because of the experience. So let's add to the experience, right? Let's have you enjoy this hot cup of hot chocolate from the comfort of your own home, virtual, remote. Uh, at your own pleasure. Let's add some marshmallows. Let's throw in some toppings at a very decent, respectable, nominal fee. And why don't you take some time for yourself? And let's forget about hurricanes rushing by and the current pandemic situation. Sit with your family, enjoy some hot chocolate. And maybe it's getting to be fall. It's getting to be spooky season. Maybe settle in with a scary movie or at least a creepy movie or maybe a funny, spooky ooky movie like maybe a classic hocus pocus or something like that and you tell me that you can't watch hocus pocus with a hot chocolate and not smile y'all want some hot chocolate right now don't you have a very uh, easy answer to a question that sounds pretty difficult so (laughs) (laughs) oh man i was worried too i'm like man they're gonna stump me they're gonna get me with this i'm not gonna have anything planned and that was a good one for sure but uh i amaze even myself Alrighty. Well, those are all the questions we have for you today. Thank you so much for letting us take some time out of your afternoon to talk about graduate school and how to sell hot chocolate in Florida. You bet. Guys, thank you so much for the invite. I always appreciate hanging out with my career services peeps. Let me know if you need anything always. Students of UCM, if you're hearing this, it goes to your career services folks. Meet with them virtually. When you can, go meet them in person. They're all lovely people that are irreplaceable. And I can't recommend it enough as a former career services professional for UCM, but also as a grateful alumnus. Alrighty. Well, that's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at muleswamission at ucmo.edu. And don't forget to follow us on our socials. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Just search Meals with a Mission and make sure to give us a follow. Along with those, remember we are on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and we will see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.